The Bean Television Radio Network broadcasts positive programming designed to move spirit and nourish soul. Tune in to Natural Awakenings Radio for holistic health, wellness, and spirituality, or call live for free readings and intuitive counseling. Watch classic film and television on BTRN Classics. Experience oldies music with historic commentary from momentous times with BTRN flashbacks. It's music and history combined. For a complete list of our affiliates and showtimes, follow us today at mybtrn.com. Learn about partnership opportunities at mybtrn at gmail.com or by phoning 347-537-GIFT. We are the Being Television Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Being with Ron Ash. I'm Ron Ash, your host. We are the Being Television Radio Network, live and local, national and international. On great stations worldwide, for a complete list of our affiliates and showtimes, visit us online at beingwithronash.com. That's beingwithronash.com. Today you are Being with Ron Ash and Leonard Perlmutter. And we're talking about his book, The Heart and Science of Yoga, the American Meditation Institute's Empowering Self-Care Program for a Happy, Helpful, Joyful Life. Boy, Leonard, that sounds fantastic. If we can get everybody to gear their goals and aspirations towards living a happy and joyful life, that would be quite an accomplishment. Well, I've been practicing for over 40 years now, uh, Ron, and uh, it has meant so much to me, helped me physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, that I just felt motivated to uh, to share it with others. And I certainly appreciate the invitation to be with you tonight to, to share with you and, and all your listeners. Thank you for the invitation. You're very welcome. And, and isn't that really the greatest thing? I mean, when we go through life and we uh, experience different things and from those things we experience, we learn so much. And to to be able to have the opportunity to truly share the joy and the awakening that comes from those things, and they come to us in everyday life. Yes, they do. Uh, everything that we need just comes to us. Uh, everything is so finely, the whole universe is so finely uh, dovetailed to our particular needs, mm-hmm. we might not like what comes. <laughs> you know, the ego is uh, sort of like uh, one of these talking heads on TV, mm-hmm. often wrong but never in doubt. Uh, and yet, if we can just slow down, stop, and examine, there's a wonderful gift contained in every single relationship. It, it's very true. I used, I used to say I, I have all these tools in my toolbox. I may not know which one's that I need, but I I can absolutely be sure that every tool that I need to accomplish what I have to is there. I just need to know how to use it. You know, uh, uh, one of my most important teachers uh, is my auto mechanic. And many Uh years ago, many, many years ago, uh, at least 30, 35 years ago, uh, he told me that if you have the right tool, Every job is easy. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know anything about uh, yoga, uh, uh, yoga science, but he was a practical person. He he knew automotive uh, uh, science, and he knew that mm-hmm. if he had the right tool, it, it made the job a lot easier. And it's been so true in everything that, that I've learned. And we're giving everything that we need. That's the key to it. Everything's there. We just have to find out what we can do with what we have at that moment and then use that to take us to our next step. 
and then we reevaluate. Well, I I agree 100% uh, uh, sort of preaching to the choir here, but uh, every relationship that comes is a means for our own liberation, so to speak, our own Mm -hmm. health and happiness and security. Uh, If we can simply go inside of ourselves uh, to what yoga science refers to as the super-conscious portion of the mind, Mm -hmm. uh, which is nothing other than... uh, uh, listening to our own conscience, and if we can take that wisdom, that higher wisdom that comes from the Spirit, and employ it through our thoughts and our words and our actions, then everything that we need will just appear. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the uh, hurdles. Most people don't take that time to listen. They know how to ask, but they're not listening for the answers. Well, that's right. Uh and what what that uh, centers around the the fact that in our modern culture, where technology is is our new god, so to speak, mm-hmm. we have cut ourselves off from our core. You know, every human being, every human being, uh, has both the male qualities and the female qualities. The male qualities uh, have to do with uh, action in the world. Uh, and it, it, it's not exclusively men, but it's, it's mm-hmm. a male quality. It's sort of uh, the hunter-gatherer type of a situation. Uh, whereas as the female, the female is not actively oriented, uh, but rather the feminine is inwardly directed and intuitive. And if if we can balance the two, the the outward action with the inward wisdom, my gosh, then, then we can become whole and we can rely on our own inner wisdom uh, mm-hmm. to form the basis of all of our actions and be successful and have rewarding relationships. I think that's why uh, Shakespeare wrote uh, many, many uh, centuries ago that uh, above all else, he said, to thine own self be true. Mm-hmm. And, and, and our conscience is the portal to the wisdom of the self. And when you master these techniques of meditation, you're able to really commune with that, that spirit that is you. Boy, what a powerful door you open. Let's talk a little bit about uh, yoga as an essential science. What do you mean by that? Well, yoga is a science. It's uh, uh, the uh, oldest form of mind-body medicine, actually. And it, and it is also the origin of every single religion, even though yoga science is really mm-hmm. just an educational body of knowledge. It's not a religion itself. But yoga science teaches us that in order to experience happiness and health and security, uh, we need create a philosophical and a scientific template for seeking and discovering the truth. Uh And so what that means at the outset is that each person must be willing to use his or her own mind-body-sense complex as a personal laboratory in which to undertake scientific experiments, so to speak. Then, in the midst of every relationship, we can use that template, what we refer to as the bridge of yoga, and we can employ it in order to discover and then verify the truth. Hmm. The more that we use the truth as the basis of our thoughts, our words, and our actions, everything that we need just comes to us. Uh-huh. So yoga really and- means union. Mm-hmm. It's the union Boy. of our inner wisdom and our outer actions. Mm-hmm. And finding and recognizing that truth within us can often be a very difficult thing. And if not found, could be a very dangerous thing. They talk a lot that's about right. that's, uh, that's building in the that's sand. A, uh, in, the, uh, in the Gospel of, uh, of Thomas, who was mm-hmm. uh, known as uh, Jesus' twin, it said something to the effect that... Uh, 
if you bring forth that which is within you, it will save you. Mm-hmm. If you do not bring forth that which is within you, that which is within you will destroy you. Yeah. Well, because you, you're you're there's a, there's some issue that exists there, and you're not right. facing that issue, so that issue will That's continually right. plague you. And this happens. Uh, in the world every day with with people around us and that's why it's very important to really take that time meditate on it look into the the actions and reactions of those around you look into the feelings and emotions that you're experiencing and try to get down to that truth try to ground yourself in the bedrock that's right of that truth. because if if we don't do that uh, as you know uh, what happens is we we create inner conflict if my thoughts, my words, and my actions conflict with my inner wisdom, that inner conflict that we all carry around, and we call it stress and anxiety and burnout, that inner conflict must express itself in the body and in interpersonal relationships. So I get a pain in my back. I get high blood pressure. I uh, have a very uh, uh, bad uh, uh, relationship with uh, my uh, work colleagues or or my wife or my husband or my children. And it all starts with uh, inner conflict. And yet if if we can resolve the inner conflict by basing outer actions on inner wisdom reflected by our conscience, well then, if there's no inner conflict, it's impossible for there to be outer conflict. Because everything flows from the subtle to the gross, and and let me let me just uh, 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 present a, a little bit of a yoga science experiment for for you, Ron, and and for our listeners. Just for a moment, I, I'd like you to do this experiment with me. I'm in. It's an it's there's a it's a part A and a part B. The part A is I'd like you to. Raise your right hand directly over your head and then bring it back down towards shoulder length. Go ahead. Try that now. Doable? Mm-hmm. You can raise the hand up and you can bring it down, right? Correct. Okay. Now, now part B. I'd like you to do the exact same thing. I'd like you to raise your right hand over your head and bring it back down. But starting right now, you cannot think at all. You cannot entertain a single thought. Try raising your hand now without thinking. It's impossible. I can't do it. Can't. No one can do it. The mind moves first, mm-hmm. and the body follows, and the body follows. And what follows the action is a consequence that can lead us in one direction or another. So what yoga science recognizes is that there's tremendous power in our thoughts. In fact, our thoughts are our greatest resource. And the more attention that we give to our thoughts, the more we examine our thoughts, the more we vet our thoughts and serve only those thoughts that have the good housekeeping seal of approval of our conscience and sacrifice the others, then we can live a loving and a healthy and a secure and a prosperous life. Mm-hmm. And also we should probably, well, not probably, we should definitely make better choices in what we bring into our lives as far as uh, the television programs we watch, the movies that we see. Um, Are you talking uh, about junk thoughts, Ron? Oh, <laughs> yes. It's just like, it's why, more, do we, that, why do we that, play... Why do we plague ourselves with those things? I mean, I was at an office today and I do some management consulting work and I was there and I guess it was slow at the end of the day. And one of the employees decided they were going to put a movie in. I could not believe what they were, what they were watching, the, 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 the depth of the uh, pain and agony of the people that were in the film. And it, it was just, I had to go outside. I actually waited outside probably for about an hour until it was, Time to go because I didn't want to absorb that type of thing. That's right. Well, you know, there's a uh, very poignant quote attributed to Jesus. You know, Jesus was a yogi. He was a yoga scientist. His his whole mission uh, was based on yoga. And uh-huh. again, from the Gospel of Thomas, Jesus is quoted as saying, 
and and it just brings tears to my eyes to uh, to hear this. He, he said, "I took my stand in the midst of the world, and in flesh I appeared to them, and I found them all drunk, and I did not find any of them thirsty. My soul ached for the children of humanity." He said because they are blind in their hearts and do not see. For they came into the world empty, and they also seek to depart from the world empty. It's sad. Sad. This, sad. This, is, this, is, this is how I feel right now, Leonard. This is how I feel uh, in my daily walk when I'm looking at people and I'm listening to people and I'm, I'm seeing what they're doing. I feel a great sadness in my heart. From what's yeah. happening today. Well, and yet, we, evidently, we have a dharmic responsibility here to bring light where there was darkness. Okay, mm-hmm. so when when you get up in the middle of the night and you're going to well, walk to the bathroom or something like that, and it's dark, you can stub your toe because it's dark. But if you if you turn the uh, the light on, immediately the darkness is gone. So. It's critically important that those people who have an, uh, an eye to see and an ear to hear, we need to plant seeds. I often mm-hmm. think of myself as Johnny Appleseed. Uh, in every relationship, there is an opportunity to be of service, to bring some, some portion of light into a dark situation. And as long as we don't get trapped into holding on to the outcome and expecting a reaction or expecting mm-hmm. something to happen, that that's uh, that's a killer. Uh, our joy is simply by by basing our outer actions on our inner wisdom, and whatever needs to happen will happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's take, always take where that sadness away. Yeah, that's always been where I've been at my happiness, and and you know sometimes people around us will kind of say, you know that that's not really what's going to make you happy. That's not really giving you joy. How can that give you joy? There's no uh, financial reward behind it, but isn't the goal always the happiness? I mean, if you can be happy without that kind of quid pro quo, that uh, payoff, isn't that even better? Isn't that saving a step? And doesn't all those things come around anyway? That's right. And it's not that we don't need money. We need green energy. Yeah. The point is that it will come in its own time when you need it. Uh, and in a way that you least expect it. That's right. That's right. Uh, look, can I tell you a very interesting story? It, it reminded me. Uh, uh, I'm an art dealer by profession. Mm-hmm. That's how I make a living. I, d- I don't uh, uh, make a living by... Uh, uh, writing books or uh, teaching meditation, there's not much money in that, not enough to uh, to support us. Uh, but I, uh, I, I'm an art dealer. Uh, my wife is a painter, and I and I sell her paintings. And mm-hmm. you know, not many people buy paintings these days. And and sometimes we we would go two, three, four, five months at a time without selling a painting, and yet. Every day, every week, every month, bills come in. Mm-hmm. So we were at a point once where uh, it, it was a real challenge. It was it was over four months we had not made a sale, and uh, we were going to have a uh, a meditation retreat, and it was in the month of February in upstate New York, uh, where we operate out of. And uh, on Thursday, going into Friday, we had. Uh, uh, six people signed up for the retreat that were coming from different areas. Mm-hmm. And because of the storm, Thursday night we got a call and uh, two people were canceled. So going into Friday morning, we had three people. Mm-hmm. Early Friday morning, two more people canceled. And basically, by 9 o'clock in the morning on that Friday, we had one person coming from Cleveland, flying in an airplane. He had already left. So we had one person coming to the retreat. And uh, what to do? Uh, well, we, we got other students to uh, come to the retreat. 
and they sat in on the classes, and, and it, was a, uh-huh. it was really a wonderful presentation of the teaching. And this one man, this one man uh, who, who did come, throughout the, uh, throughout the weekend, debated by a painting that was uh, hung on the wall of our living room. And uh, he would look at it and look at it uh, for many, many minutes uh, between classes and, and during meals. And on Sunday when he was leaving, he came up to me and he said, uh, uh, Leonard, uh, uh, I'm really very fond of that painting. Uh, how much is that painting? And I said, well, gee, that's, uh, that's a large painting. That, that painting costs $20,000. He said, I'll take it. And, you know, he bought that painting. He brought us from Cleveland money that we needed because we hadn't sold mm-hmm. a painting in, in over four months. And we've never seen that man again. Wow. <laughs> right? But he came you know, on a mission yeah. of mercy. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's amazing you say that, though, because, you know, I used to uh, have a center called the Creative Cultural Center, and there was another facilitator there, Mary Lou uh, Bresson. And sometimes we would have maybe 40 people in a, in a group there. Uh, you know, and other times maybe we might have one or two people, but we came to the conclusion that it doesn't really matter because the people that are supposed to be there at that particular time are always there, whether it's one person or it's 40 people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what, whatever number of people show up, whatever people do show up there, they become our teachers too, because uh-huh. their, their, their challenges and their questions and their heartaches become learning for us, a great learning for us. And that learning for us also transpires into another teaching for someone else down the road. That's right. That's right, that we will share. Mm -hmm. I I had the occasion back in uh, in the late 80s to visit uh, Eknath Ishwaran. I don't know if you knew Ishwaran. He's a teacher in in California, uh, in Berkeley. And uh, he started the Blue Meditation, uh, Blue Mountain Medi- Blue Mountain Center for Meditation. And uh, I, I visited him, and I, I said, Ishwan, you know, uh, uh, I love this teaching. I love the meditation. I love the philosophy. I love the science. I said to him, I said, but you know, I'm, I'm self-employed. I'm, I'm an art dealer, and I. I don't know one one day, one week, one month from the next whether we're going to have any money coming in. Do you have any advice for me? It seems to me that uh, this type of philosophy is better suited to people uh, for people who work for the government. They have a guarantee uh, a salary coming in uh, uh, every week. They have health insurance. They might have a pension. Do you have any advice for me? And with a little twinkle in his eye that I still remember today, he looked at me and he said, uh, Leonard, he said, uh, your problem is is that you consider yourself self-employed. I, on the other hand, am employed by the self. And a light uh-huh. went on in my mind. Wow. I can become an employee of my higher self by basing yeah. my outer actions on my inner wisdom reflected by my conscience. Wow. Uh, Starting that day, I became fearless in the face of fear. Mm-hmm. It was a wow. beautiful, beautiful gift. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You, you, you took my breath away on that one. I, I just went back to all moments in my life where I had similar experiences. You, you really took me back. <laughs> but you also reminded me. And this is such an important thing to, to remind me. I, I love I love what you said. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more. Leonard Perlmutter, and we're talking about his book, The Heart and Science of Yoga. We'll see you in a few.
at a crossroad in your life looking for insight and assistance with relationships career or finance internationally known certified psychic medium Vicki Murphy identifies past life patterns that impact your current life realize soul purpose initiate action for success move past fears and the dis-ease caused by them medium Vicki Murphy westcoastmedium.com Rhode Island Natural Awakenings Magazine is the perfect resource for those seeking a healthy, natural lifestyle. In every free monthly publication, you'll find practical, cutting-edge information on natural health, nutrition, personal growth, green living, creative expression, and more. Find Natural Awakenings wherever free magazines are found. Read it online at rinaturalawakenings.com or call 401-709-2473. Feel good? Live simply. Laugh more. Rhode Island Natural Awakenings Magazine. The best way to predict the future is to create it. The Intuitive Life Coach takes a metaphysical approach to coaching, identifying root issues, accessing key problems, and formulating a highly effective approach and resolution. Through proven techniques, the Intuitive Life Coach will help you to move confidently in the direction of your dreams. Author, counselor, teacher, Ron Ash is the Intuitive Life Coach. Schedule now at theintuitivelifecoach.me. Welcome back. We're here with Letter and Pearl Water, and we're talking about his book, The Heart and Science of Yoga, the American Meditation Institute's Empowering Self-Care Program for a Happy, Healthy, Joyful Life. Welcome back, Leonard. Thank you very much, Ron. We were talking before the break about uh, how we can look at things in different ways and how flipping the script on that can make us uh, make major life changes. And you were talking about being employed by self rather than being self-employed. And I was telling you, it it, it took me back a ways uh, to a point where, you know, I realized that as I work from self for self, that's when all the other rewards come in. And again, it, it's, it's, but you're not expecting that result to happen. It's just, I think that when we have that happiness, that joy in, in our heart, and I emphasize the heart, we become a magnet for those things that will make us happier. And I, I think that uh, that's an outgrowth, a natural outgrowth of beginning to know who we truly are. Uh, you know, our perceptions are skewed by our conceptions. We see what we know. Uh, there's a marvelous little uh, story, a baseball story. I, I, I am a baseball fan, and uh, there are these three umpires, baseball umpires, and they're, they're having dinner and they're having a discussion of what constitutes a ball and what constitutes a strike. And, and the three of them are talking back and forth, sharing observations. And, and the, the one umpire who is a rookie just starting in the major leagues, he says, I call him as I see him. Empire uh, uh, shakes his head, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, he, and he's been uh, calling balls and strikes for about 10 years in the major leagues. He says, I call them as they are. And the third umpire standing, sitting next to uh, the other two, shaking his head, and he's looking at the other two, and he said, they are what I call them. And so they are what we call them. Our perceptions are skewed by our conceptions. And it's so interesting that many of the concepts that we have stored in the unconscious mind are not the truth. Uh, when we were uh, little kids and we were learning uh, arithmetic, uh, we had teachers, I'm sure, that taught you, like they taught me, Ron, that one plus two is three. But I'm here to tell you that when I was a little kid, and, and, and even sometimes not so little, I had other teachers who taught me one plus two is four. Mm -hmm. 
those situations, I was so naive and so inexperienced, I believed them, and I stored that faulty concept in my unconscious mind. And in certain kind of situations, when my emotional buttons are pushed, one plus two equals four is my go-to concept. And every time I use it, I hurt myself. And so what meditation helps us to do is to re-engineer the software of the mind, transform the power of fear that I might lose what I have, fear that I might not get what I want, anger and desires that all conflict with inner wisdom. We can change them. We are habit makers. We're good at making habits. And we don't have to live with the habits that we've created so many years or decades ago that are not working for us. It's all about desire. Do we desire to uh, really be happy, to be healthy, to be secure in the world? How happy do we want to be, and what are we willing to give up? You know, if we, uh, we, we, all, we all treasure our breath. Oh, my gosh, uh, you know, if I would lose my breath, uh, that would be it. Uh, and yet, every moment of every day, we are giving away our breath. In other words, we have to exhale in order to inhale. It's in giving that we receive what we need. Uh, but uh, we have a different philosophy uh, uh, that we uh, subscribe to, and, and it's very painful, and it hurts us. And that is, it's in taking uh, that we receive. But but that's not the case, because it's it's a little bit like when you're swimming in a pool. If you, if you push the water away from you, you can go from point A to point B in a swimming pool. But if you, uh-huh. if you pull the water towards you in the swimming pool, you're going to drown. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. I had a couple of, uh, well, I had this experience with a turkey one time, and the turkey flew in through my living room window. And uh, actually, it, it's, I wrote this story. It's on page 111 of my book, The Secret of Divine Intervention. I'm not going to go into the whole story right now, but it caused me to talk to a friend of mine who says, well, you should look up the turkey and see what the totem meaning of that was. And the totem meaning of the turkey was one who uh, receives through giving. Oh, that's marvelous. That's marvelous. That's crazy. That's a great story. I love it. Yeah. Why do you think people are so fearful and angry these days? The primary reason is that they don't know who they are. We don't know who we are. We are so identified with the body, with the mind, with our thoughts, with our desires, with our emotions, with our concepts. We are addicted to thinking. And most of the thoughts that we think, the uh, the uh, 60, 65,000 thoughts that we think every day, we thought yesterday. And most of them are authored by the ego, the senses, and the unconscious mind that are often wrong but never in doubt. The ego, the senses, and the unconscious mind, they're not always wrong, but they only have a limited perspective. The conscience, on the other hand, has a 360-degree panoramic view. And if we can just begin to experiment in easy ways in easy situations to base our outer actions on our inner wisdom, to parent our ego, to parent our senses, to parent our unconscious mind through this wisdom reflected by our conscience, then the ego and the senses and the unconscious mind will have a new understanding of who they are and what their purpose is. It's not that they're not going to have a job. When I'm talking to you and, and, and your listeners right now, I have to employ the ego to communicate what I need to speak. When I'm driving my automobile, I need a healthy ego to get me from point A to point B. But a lot of what the ego is suggesting, all these things that uh, uh, the ego says uh, surrounding fear and desire and anger, they're just not appropriate. Uh-huh. And to let the ego go unchecked by not parenting the ego at appropriate times is a prescription for pain for myself and for and for everybody that I come in contact with. So, and so 
not knowing who we are is a very tenuous place to be in the universe. If I if I think no, if I know if I know that I'm an individual mind body sense complex in a vast universe of objects and relationships, then I am going to suffer from a serious debilitating sense of lack. And it's not going to matter what I think I lack, uh-huh. because that always changes. Problem is, I believe at my core that I lack. Do you remember uh, uh, that Bernie Madoff story where uh, this uh, 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 this uh, stockbroker uh, made millions and millions and millions of, of, of dollars at the expense of other people through Ponzi schemes? Yeah. Uh, what, what, what you know? Why did he do that? Well, I'm sure that Bernie Madoff, uh, even through and including today perhaps, uh, but certainly when he was uh, doing all those unscrupulous things, uh, he had a a tremendous sense of lack. He defined himself uh, as a poor kid from the Lower East Side of New York. So it didn't matter how many dollars were in his bank account. He thought that he was poor. Uh-huh. Or he knew that he was poor, and thinking makes it so, right? That's what Shakespeare says. Exactly. Thinking makes it so. Yeah, so with our sense great. of lack, and and uh, the truth is that we are fullness and bliss and wisdom. Within our consciousness resides an intuitive library of wisdom that can tell us twenty four seven through our conscience the thought to think, the word to speak, and the action to take. And that's the whole basis of yoga science and meditation, is to train the mind, to go beyond the mind, to go outside the matrix, to the center of consciousness, to receive this wisdom through our conscience into our conscious mind, and then to employ our willpower to serve it in mind, action, and speech. My experience is, when you do that, even in small, seemingly inconsequential matters, you feel better. Physically, uh-huh. mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Yeah. How can AMI meditation help people in these situations when they're so fixated on fear, they're so wrapped up in in their perceptions of what they have and what they don't have? How can how can meditation really help? Well. Meditation, first and foremost, does something that nothing else can do. It it does introduce you and anybody who meditates to yourself. Mm-hmm. When when you follow a mantra, as in AMI meditation, when you follow a mantra, and what is a mantra? A mantra is a word or a series of words containing the name of the supreme reality. Mm-hmm. It's a word or series of words containing the name of the supreme reality. And John in the New Testament says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So Uh these mantras, these words, in the midst of all of the words that exist in all the languages, these certain words in every spiritual tradition represent perfect harmonics. You know, everything is vibration. There are no separate objects. Quantum physicists are telling us that the entire universe is one holistic organism vibrating at at individual frequencies. And so there's a frequency to my fear in my mind. There's a frequency to my love. There's a frequency to uh, um, my, my body. And there's a frequency to a mantra which represents perfection. And the more that you give that attention in, in meditation, to the to a hundred percent of your effort, then you will follow the mantra. It's interesting if you if you listen to the mantra, uh, what happens is, and let me just give you an example of a mantra. Uh, just the name of Jesus is a mantra in the Christian tradition. So just listen for a moment to, and I'll just repeat this, and and listen, just for a moment. Jesus, Jesus. So as you give your full one-pointed attention, and 
and do not give your attention to any other uninvited thought or image or sound, what you notice is, is that this vibration arises from the silence, the unknown. And after it concludes, this vibration, this sound, this word, returns to the silence. It returns to the unknown. So just listen. Listen how the mantra arises from the silence and returns to the silence, just for a moment. Jesus. Jesus. So when we can learn to focus our attention at one object, namely the mantra, when the mantra returns to the silence, our mind can observe and experience the silence. The silence is the ocean of peace, bliss, consciousness, wisdom, bliss. And when we can experience it that, it transfigures us. Instead of investing in a sense of lack, we recognize that at our core, we are fullness and bliss. And that same fullness and bliss that is within me is also within you, Ron. So on the highest level of consciousness, you are me and I am you. Yes, we have different bodies, we have different minds, we have different personalities, and we have different habit patterns. But the body, the mind, the personality, and the habit pattern are all subject to change, death, decay, and decomposition. And yet within you and within me, there is this I amness, this beingness, this awareness that is part of an ocean of consciousness. And meditation leads you to that. And when and when you can do that on a regular basis, you cultivate certain tools, certain skills, like one-pointed attention. And you also create a space between stimulus and response. So you create the skill of detachment. Just because a thought comes into your awareness doesn't mean that you have to give it your attention. doesn't mean that you have to speak in service to it. doesn't mean that you have to act physically in service to it. It's only a suggestion. So meditation creates a space between stimulus and response that affords us the skill of detachment. And in that space between stimulus and response, now we can discriminate. We can redirect our attention to our conscience that can reflect wisdom from the center of consciousness, the superconscious portion of the mind, the same portion of the mind where Albert Einstein saw mathematical equations, the same portion of the mind where Paul McCartney Here's beautiful melodies. doesn't mean I'm going to become a, a physicist. It doesn't mean, Ron, that you're going to become a songwriter. What it does mean is that if you meditate regularly and you use your own discrimination through your conscience, you will receive all sorts of wisdom that will directly and positively affect every single relationship that you have. So in meditation, you experience the truth of the silence. You experience one-pointed attention. You experience discrimination, and you build the muscles of willpower to do what's to be done and not do what's not to be done. And you said that that's a, a, a very important part of uh, living a better, healthier life. By doing that, by making those choices, you in turn become healthier, you become happier, you, re you receive more joy in your life. There's no question about it. We, we are the architects of our lives. We determine our destiny, and that's based on the thoughts we think, the words we speak, and the actions we take. So I, I ask uh, students all the time, how happy do you want to be? How healthy do you want to be? How secure do you want to be? And what are you willing to give up? What kind of old concepts, like the ones that say one plus two equals four, how many of those are you willing to give up? Mm -hmm. One of my most important teachers was Elvis Presley. When I was a little kid, I was 10 years old, I fell in love with Elvis Presley. You know, we, we hear that Elvis Presley had charisma, and he did for me. Mm -hmm. And what is charisma? Charisma is some kind of a magnetic attraction that uh, grabs our attention. 
And so uh, because of uh, that, because I fell in love with Elvis Presley, I gave him my attention. I gave a mm-hmm. lot of attention to him. Uh, for over these years and these decades, I still love him today. And because mm-hmm. I gave him my attention, I observed many choices that he made in his life, many of which were in conflict with my own inner wisdom. And so for me, when somebody comes into my life, like Elvis Presley, who acts in ways that are in conflict with my own inner wisdom, I know that that person is coming into my life to teach me what not to do. In other words, I don't have to experience that pain for myself. I can see it through the life of another person. I don't have to touch every burner on the stove to know which is hot and which is not. Uh-huh. And and yet, what do we do? Uh, how do we react to these people? We're angry at them. We we judge them. We we castigate them. And yet, to the to the best of their ability, they're trying to teach us something very important. They're trying to teach us how not to live our lives. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, you hear it a lot too. You like, like a parent. You may say, "Oh, that parent was a terrible parent, or whatever." But maybe that terrible parent made you the best parent that you could ever be. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. What do you mean when you say that uh, D equals E plus W plus C is the secret formula for happiness? It's true, Ron. D equals E plus W plus C is the secret formula for happiness. D is desire. E is energy. W is willpower. C is creativity. Locked up in every desire, every desire, and desires are neither good nor bad. They're just the fuel for action. Nobody does anything without a desire. Can't do it. If you don't have a desire... It's not going to get done. But desires, even though they're neither good nor bad, they're the fuel for action. But if you have a desire, and it, that desire has the good housekeeping seal of approval of your conscience, then you're asked to serve that desire in thought, word, and deed, and you'll be led for your highest and greatest good. But if that desire is in conflict with your own inner wisdom, like fear or anger or selfish desires, then you're asked to sacrifice that desire. And in the midst of sacrifice, the sacrifice itself is the mechanism for transformation of energy. We know that energy even though it cannot be created nor destroyed, it can be transformed. We knew from uh, you know grade school that ice can be turned into water and water can be turned into gas. So if, if, if I'm traveling uh, down the highway and I'm driving at uh, 55, 60 miles an hour and some maniac cuts me off in traffic going about 85 or 90 and I have to slam on my brake and in the midst of slamming on my brake so I can avoid an accident, a little bubble from my unconscious mind comes into my conscious mind, and I am aware of anger. Okay, Leonard, what are you going to do with that anger? If you serve it, you're going to be poisoning your entire body. Or you might do something really uh, uh, irrational and, and cause more, more problems for yourself and for others. So if your inner wisdom tells you to sacrifice the anger, you can transform that debilitating and contractive power of that energy called anger. You can transform it into strategic reserves of a healing energy, an increase in willpower, and an expansion of your creative capability. And I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm simply asking folks, if you're interested, become a yoga scientist and experiment for yourself. It's only through the experimental process that you can know that truth yourself, that locked up in fear, locked up in anger, locked up in selfish desires that conflict with your inner wisdom is a healing energy and and, and willpower and creativity to help you fulfill the purpose of your life without pain, 
without misery and without bondage. Can you describe a yoga science practice that's easy and that people can quickly benefit from? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. You just had dinner. And, that's true. Uh, okay. And, and, and your conscience says, Leonard, better brush your teeth. The ego says, I don't want it. The senses say, says, I'd prefer to have another dessert. The unconscious mind says, I'm with the senses and the ego. So what do you do? Well, it's a little bit of a no-brainer. You just had a nice meal. Mm-hmm. You know you should brush after every meal. You want to save your teeth for your whole life. So you take two minutes or three minutes and you go to the bathroom and you brush your teeth. By doing that, you're going to be sacrificing the lethargy and the inertia and the myopic perspective of the ego, the senses, and the unconscious mind because their perspective is in conflict with the wisdom of your conscience. And you'll be able to transform energy, willpower, and creativity and you'll be able to deposit it into three separate bank accounts that have your name on it. And you need energy, you need willpower, you need creativity to fulfill the purpose of your life. Where are you going to get it from? You get it from your thoughts, primarily. Uh-huh. Yes, you can get some from your, uh, from your food, but how often do you uh, eat in relationship to how often you think? So you have all these junk thoughts that are in conflict with your inner wisdom that are coming to you solely for the purpose of you to transform them. And if you don't transform them, they're going to come back again and again, just like uh, Groundhog Day, the movie, until we start acting skillfully based on the wisdom of the higher self. So these are things that people can do, uh, you know, uh, every day, and they're simple things. It doesn't have to be esoteric. Yoga has to be simple and easy to be right. If it's 10 o'clock at night and you're watching a little TV and you see a Maxwell House coffee commercial come on, oh, the senses say, let's have a cup of coffee and maybe a donut. The ego says, that's a great idea. The unconscious mind says, I'm with you both. Let's go to the kitchen. What does the, what does the, uh, uh, the conscience say? Oh, gee, 10 o'clock at no. night is not an appropriate time for coffee and a donut. No, you'll be up all night and you'll probably have some heartburn. That's right. That's right. That's a sure thing. (laughs) I I go through these things on a regular regular basis. Sometimes I have a craving for something and then I think about it afterwards and I go through those steps. I say, wait a second. Probably the better choice there is, you know, brush my teeth, have a glass of water and go to bed. That's right. And so that kind of experience teaches something to the ego. It teaches something to the uh, senses, and it teaches something to the unconscious mind, that there is another way of being the ego. There's another way of being the senses. There's another way of being the unconscious mind in the world. That the old way, based on concepts, many of them saying one plus two equals four, is not really working for us. It never really worked for us. And it's time to make a change, a mid-course correction, just like Neil Armstrong was doing when he was flying that lunar module to the surface of the moon. Receiving all that telemetry uh, and and making uh, mid-course corrections, shoot, you know, uh, pressing buttons for his retro rockets to fire them in a certain sequence at a certain amounts of time so he could have a soft landing. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for uh, a happy, healthy, creative life loving, nurturing relationships. Life is meant to be enjoyed. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to move on. it can be enjoyed. Why has your teaching received certification from the American Medical Association and American Nurses Association, Leonard? Well, I can't really answer that uh, 100%. It's a blessing. that the American Medical Association for Physicians and American Nurses Association for Nurses have certified this teaching, uh, The Heart and Science of Yoga. I believe that 
the the primary reason is that it's practical and it's based on science. It's based on uh, scientific studies and yoga science is the world's oldest holistic mind-body medicine and it works. So right now, uh, physicians are going through a major crisis. I mean, we're all going, you know, every human being is going through a major crisis, but certainly physicians and nurses are not exempt. So there's this whole uh, situation that they're dealing with of burnout. And we're not just talking about uh, being stressed out. We're talking about uh, uh, drug addiction, heroin. We're talking about suicide rates. We're talking about uh, leaving their their chosen profession. And and they're in pain. Mm -hmm. And uh, what to do. Uh, They know the limitations of drug therapy. And yet here is something that is practical, it's scientifically based, it's time-tested, and, and these organizations, to their credit, and these are, these, are, these are conservative organizations, they are endorsing this teaching because it works. It's not like taking a pill and something happens to you, though. You know, we have to take responsibility uh, for mm-hmm. it. So we're the ones that have to give up the old habits, the old concepts, but if we can do that, we feel better physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. All right. All right. You've been listening to Being with Ron Ash, and our guest has been Leonard Perlmutter, and we're talking about his book, The Heart and Science of Yoga. And uh, you can learn more about uh, Leonard and his books and uh, his organization at AmericanMeditation.org. That's AmericanMeditation.org. Uh, Leonard, is there anything, final thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with this evening? Well, I think the only thought that I would leave with them, Ron, is that I, I would ask each of you to remember that every thought that comes into your awareness every day of all of the uh, 60 or 65,000 thoughts that are entertained every 1.2 seconds, every thought is only a suggestion of what to give mm-hmm. your attention to. It's not an imperial command. And if you just take a second or two to redirect your attention to your conscience, your conscience can reflect superconscious wisdom from your core that will tell you 24-7 whether this thought is helpful and to be served in speech and action or whether it's to be sacrificed and to be transformed into strategic reserves of energy, willpower, and creativity. Every thought is only a suggestion. All right. The Heart and Science of Yoga. Leonard Perlmutter. This has been Being with Ron Ash. And uh, as always, you can learn about all of our guests, past, present, and future, including Leonard Perlmutter, at beingwithronash.com. That's beingwithronash.com. And we'll see you all on the radio real soon. Be peace, everyone, because peace comes you.
to predict the future is to create it. The Intuitive Life Coach takes a metaphysical approach to life coaching, identifying root issues, accessing key problems, and formulating a highly effective approach and resolution. Through proven coaching techniques, the Intuitive Life Coach will help you to move confidently in the direction of your dreams. Author, counselor, teacher, Ron Ash is the Intuitive Life Coach. Call 424-777-LAWS or connect online at theintuitivelifecoach.me.